Good afternoon. Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to Chapo and Bethany because you have tuned into The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that applies to real life. How are you going? I'm going all right. Good. I got confused about the time of day that it was, but I'm feeling okay. <laughs> um, so this week, we kind of left in a place last week where we had things that we wanted to keep talking about. So we've got a little bit of a... Part two? Yes. Uh, to be continued, is that what it is? Yeah, I was thinking overflow, but that's such a cooler way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're such a cool guy, chaps. Uh, guys, I'm married to a cool guy, and he thinks of cool ways to say stuff, and I like that. Um, so, we're going to talk about, last week we talked about vulnerability, and we this week we're going to talk about how to create a safe space in your marriage. And I, because I'm not a cool guy, I couldn't think of a cooler way of saying how to create a safe space. Well, we in did try to think of a, a, a more creative way of saying safe space, mm. but we couldn't think of anything that really meant the same thing. So we just stuck with it, the idea of creating a safe space. Because once you explain what you mean by a safe space, it will become clear that there's probably no better term for it. So what do you mean by creating a safe space? Talking about if your marriage is your number one relationship, apart from your relationship with God, how are you building it? How are you growing it? How are you cultivating it and building connection between one another? Okay, but how, what, what's that got to do with safety? Well, because you can't have intimacy and vulnerability without trust first. Okay. Because otherwise you're not safe to have it. It's a place where you feel safe to, to share show who up you are. as you really are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. And to share things that are hard to talk about. Yes. To have vulnerable conversations, to air your grievances. <laughs> Partly. And your loves and joys and passions. You got it. Yep. To show your true self, to share your dreams and to share your disappointments of life. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, what, so what are we covering? So, we're going to talk a little bit of a recap of last week about how ch- sin changes how we relate to each other. Um, it's not how God designed us to be. It's not how God wants human beings to relate to each other. But the reality is that we live in a world that has sin in it. And that means that we make bad choices. We live in a world that has sickness and suffering and death and confusion. And all of those things are not of God. But how do we live around it? And it changes how we talk to each other and how we relate to each other and even our marriages. Okay. Um, we want to talk about being seen, being curious with the other person and how to create a safe space in your marriage. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, let's get into it. All right. Awesome. So, first up, let's talk about how sin changes how we relate to each other. Chap, what is sin? Sin, by the Bible definition, is the transgression of the law of God. Mm. Very serious. In, Very serious. In regular human terms. Sin is the thing that has corrupted human beings. Sin is the mm. thing that has not only separated us from God, but often separates us from one another. Sin in the well, in the original Hebrew, it just had the meaning of missing the mark. It means that God has set up a way that is the best possible way for humans to live and have the safest, best, most enjoyable life possible. And sin is the thing that comes in and says, "Let's try doing something different," and it doesn't land in a way that is helpful. Mm, so, um, there, sin and, is- look, there are lots of Bible de- definitions of sin as well. Anything that's not done in faith is sin, but sin is the, the ugliness of the way that we behave or the way that others behave towards us or the thing that is within us that is opposed to God. Yeah. And also we can see the effects of it in the world around us as well um, because we live in a world that isn't, by definition, naturally a safe place as well, which is why it's so important to create a safe place in our marriages. That's right. And so when we look at, well, what does it mean to be married? 
the most important thing to do is to refer back to before sin was part of the problem, before there was any difficulty in that marriage relationship when God first made it, which is why we keep going back to Genesis chapter 2 because that's where the original marriage happened, where God's first plan for marriage happened. Would you like to read Genesis chapter 2? I would. Let me just, lucky it's right at the start because I didn't have my Bible open already. So lucky. It's a, it's a very easy one to find. Sometimes I spring stuff on you, don't I? You do. I lucky you love me. Prepared. Genesis 2, verse 24. Yep, and 25, please. 25 says this. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Yes, so this is the definition of the first marriage, but it also applies to marriages in the future after that and how marriage works. And this is what we spoke a lot about last week, was yeah. about that idea of what does it mean to be naked and not ashamed yes. in front of someone that you would connect it to. Yeah, so if you want to and you didn't hit catch last week's episode, you can actually go to Faith FM on the podcast and you can see Marriage Project podcast. If you go, it took me a little bit of a while to find it, but if you go into like your Apple podcast and you put up the top in the search, Chapo and Bethany, it will come up like so fast and it's a picture of wedding rings. It's a marriage project. Chapo with two Ps. Chapo with two Ps, not Chapo like El Chapo, the bad guy. No. Yeah, that's yeah. very important because you're not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. Um, so, oh, lost my train of thought now. So, oh yeah, if you wanted to catch up on vulnerability, you can do it and you can find older episodes in the podcast part because it gets podcasted after we're on the radio. And so, we were talking about vulnerability. We were talking about what it means to be naked and unashamed in your marriage and about how it's really important to show up as your true self in front of your spouse. So, there's actually a contrast that happens in the next chapter of the Bible where the naked and unashamed, that ideal of what it means to be marriage, is taken and on the other side of sin, it turns into something else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it turns into shame and it turns into hiding. Turns into shame and hiding. Yeah. So, instead of naked and unashamed, it turns into shame and hiding. That's right. Um, Shall I read this one? Sure. All right, awesome. Okay. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 10 says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. So, in a few very short verses of the Bible later, you find these two who are naked and unashamed and connected with each other and connected with God going to two that are afraid and are ashamed and are hiding themselves and are afraid to be seen by each other and to be seen by God. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think the Bible makes that point very clearly to show the contrast. That mm. They were naked and not ashamed, and then they go from realizing their nakedness and immediately feeling shame and the need to mm. hide, to cover. Yeah. And there's also um, a Hebrew word repeated in there as well. A Hebrew word that you know, chaps, because um, we've talked about it in marriage before, is the word yada. And when it talks about marriage and the first marriage between the man and the woman, it says the man knew his wife. And that word is that intimate, deep knowing of knowing and being known. That's right. And let's be real. Like, that's the word that often we use as the, 
I don't know, the kosher way of saying that they were sexually intimate with, with one another, right? Yes. We say that Adam knew his wife Eve and we have to read between the blanks, of, between the lines of what that actually means. Yes, it's but implied it's through Im- that word. It's but it means, it can mean knowing just knowing, but it can also mean knowing on a deeper connecting and sexual also, level as well. Absolutely. Yep. And, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that, that part of the intention and the design of sexuality within a a marriage relationship is the deep knowing, the mm. deep openness, the deep vulnerability that is found in the beauty of what God created through sex. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So they go from having that deep, intimate knowing and being known with one another to knowing, in verse 10 he says, because I knew that I was naked. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's not knowing his wife anymore. Now he's knowing his, his own, nakedness his and his shame. own flaws and his own shame uh, and guilt and vulnerability. Yeah. And, and he's seeing his vulnerability not in a beautiful open way, but in a, I need to hide this about myself kind of way. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, so I've got a great quote that I shared with you guys last week from Brene Brown, who is the guru of vulnerability in the world right now. She's a researcher about shame and vulnerability and how we connect to one another. And she says, shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged healed and rare. And I thought that was a really beautiful picture of what's happened here in Genesis from knowing one another to knowing that they were naked and ashamed. That's a great point about, um, she said that these things damage the roots Mm. from which love grows. So we've talked a lot about how anything that you can do to strengthen your marriage is a good thing. Even if it costs you money, what a great thing to spend money on because it's something that can ultimately affect how well you're house runs, how happy you are, how much fulfillment you get in life. And when I'm doing um, premarital counselling with a couple, I talk about the fact that you don't just expect your car to run forever without a service. You don't <laughs> yeah. expect the, the tyres that you put on your car when you first bought it to last until that car no longer runs anymore. You have to, there's upkeep, there's maintenance that's just as part of having a car that runs great. I uh, laughed because I thought about my car and I'm like, sometimes I try. Yeah, but I'll look after car pretty. for you. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The point, you don't expect your car to just last forever without maintenance. Why do we expect our marriage to last forever without maintenance and upkeep mm. and, in, you know, intentional um, servicing of, of the marriage and so forth? But this is a different angle, like a better metaphor possibly mm. is to think of it like it's it's a garden mm. um, and all of these things, shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, withholding affection, damage the roots from which love grows. So how can anything flourish and thrive and great things come out of something where their roots are damaged? Exactly. That's a, that's yeah, a cool- it's a really cool idea. And to think about like if you've been betrayed, of course you're not going to find it easy to trust. If you've been disrespected, of course you're not going to want to show that dr- true and deep part of yourself. If you've been blamed for something, then of course you're not going to open up about a problem. If you've been shamed, then you're just going to think, hey, I'm not worthy to be in this relationship and everything that's wrong with it is my fault. Yeah. So, yeah, really important stuff. That's right. Yeah. It's time for us to take a break. So we'll be back with you very soon here on Faith FM. In this world there is trouble, but you bring peace. I find it on my face, yeah, on my knees In my darkest of hours, I will call your name When I'm weary and broken, in my weakness I will pray I need Jesus, I need real love, I don't need 
need another fancy thing What I need is you On the tallest of mountains, in the highest place On my greatest of days, yeah, oh, it's all grace When my joy is overwhelming, still I call your name Staying desperate for you, Lord, I will sing it out again I need Jesus, I need real love Call upon your name When all the world is right Still I will seek your faith And in the sun or storm There's nothing I want more Than you Oh, than you Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. Today we're talking about creating a safe space in your marriage. And we've spent a bit of time talking about Genesis and how the first couple that were ever made went from having a beautiful, deep, intimate knowing of one another to after sin came into the world, knowing all of their flaws and knowing that they were naked and afraid and trying to cover up. Yeah. Yeah. And how that can change in our relationships too, that we can go from being vulnerable and open and loving and deeply knowing one another to something comes between us and all of a sudden we're on the other side of that where we're trying to cover up and we're distant and we're cold and we're separated from one another. Yeah, and it's in that space that you mentioned before where there is openness and there is vulnerability and there is connection that the great things come out of that. The Mm. best parts of your marriage, the most joy, the most um, spontaneity, the most excitement love, feelings of positivity and happiness and joy, and all this sort of stuff comes from the earlier description. Yes, you just absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, so <laughs> where are we going now? Okay, so what I want to talk about next is being seen and being curious. Okay, being seen? Yeah. So, being seen 
is where you show up as your true self. Yep. I think that most of us can relate to putting on a mask or putting on a front in certain situations where we go out and we have to be a certain way or put on our public self. Those of us who are introverted, especially when they have to do like social situations, would definitely relate to having to be their out-of-the-house self. Um, I find that in the workplace I often have to be a certain way in the workplace to be able to present myself in a certain way. But when I come home, when I'm with my person who I'm married to, which is you just clarifying. Yeah. Um, I good to know. <laughs> it, it needs to be a safe place. It needs to be a place where I don't have that mask up anymore and it's safe for me to be my true self to be seen. Yeah. And that's what you mean to be seen because let's just, let's be real. Mm. Not everyone has deep connections with their emotions and high emotional intelligence and to be seen I've I've seen her before. She looks all right. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like, so yeah. when you're talking about being seen, you're not just talking about visibly being able to <laughs> um, look at someone. Yeah, you're talking about being seen as this is who I really am. Yeah, yeah. and that takes courage for the person who's doing that to show their true selves and to strip off the layers and the mask from the outside. But it also takes um, inquiry and and boldness and bravery from the person who's seeing as well because sometimes we don't want to see the true other person as well do oh, we? Oh absolutely and look. But sometimes uh, it brings out the defensive in us. Yeah and look and as pastors that's something we're acutely aware of particularly I think earlier in my ministry where there was an expectation that this is who you show up as. You're mm-hmm. the pastor you've got to figure it out. You don't have spiritual struggles, you don't face doubts you don't have deep disappointments, you don't experience mental health problems, you don't all XYZ you know what I mean? And there was the pressure to show up a certain way and look a certain way. And I think I'm caring less and less about that as time goes on. I'm more comfortable in who God has made me to be, even though, you know, I'm not perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but, in general... But I'm just saying that's something we're very aware of is what it means to actually see the real us. Yes. And in general, as a human being, the more integrated you are and the more okay with who you are, the better you feel as a person. The more masks you wear and the more that you have to put things on, the less you feel accepted and loved and worthy as an individual, as yourself as well. So, sometimes it's okay to do that out in public, but even better if you can be yourself. But ultimately, when you come home, you need it to be so that you aren't doing a role or putting on a front, but you're actually yourself in front of your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, like, it's ideal everywhere, but it's vital in your marriage. Yeah. Would you say? Yes. Cool. So, I want to ask you a question, a pop quiz. Go. Can you think of a time when you felt seen, like where you felt like my spouse knows me and sees me and understands me? Oh, a, a specific example. Yeah. Do you, can you think of any recent ones? Have I been seeing you lately? I don't know. Maybe I've been busy. I've had some uni assessments. So, <laughs> uh, For me, it's when you're understanding. Like, So, I don't always keep great hours and mm. it's something I need to work on because it's easy for me to go into the office and stay there for the whole day and into the night if I've got night meetings and come home late. And um, you would be justified to be upset about that, but there's been times where you have been incredibly understanding and not just seen the frustration that it's been for you at the time, but also understood that it's been a very taxing and demanding day on me and it's been really, I think, I don't know, really important for me to realise, hey, hey, you've had a hard day as well. Mm. Um, And I get that. And I know the kinds of things you've had to do today and the people you've had to speak to and some of the hard decisions you've had to make. Um, And that's really cool. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So just. And I know I've got to be home earlier. I'm sorry. I guess it, thank you. I guess it's like a way of just, yeah, feeling validated as yourself 
by your partner. And, and maybe that's something that if you're listening along, you can ask yourself as well. Like, can you think of a time when you felt seen? And it might be recent or it might be a long time ago. And, and say that to your partner. Hey, I really felt like you paid attention to me and I appreciated it or you knew me and I appreciated it when X, Y, Z happened. So one that I'm thinking of is just last night, I was sitting at the computer and you actually just came up and started giving me a rub on the shoulders and you didn't realise that I actually had like computer neck because I'd been <laughs> sitting at that desk for like most of the day yesterday. So that was actually super helpful and I was like, oh, he's noticed that I'm doing this, that I'm like working really hard, that I'm tired and it just made me feel really seen that you paid attention to me in that moment oh, as well. Cool. Yeah. No so sometimes it's verbal, sometimes it's not verbal. And if you can acknowledge it, your partner's like, oh, yay. Because our partners want to please us. That's why they're married to us. That's why they love us. And so when we can give them that feedback, it's really helpful too. Yeah. And we don't always. No. Yeah. Like totally. I didn't know that. I didn't know until I asked you this question just now. Do you have any more questions? Um, Sort of. A little bit. Like okay. for me to ask you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, I was going to go on to the next thing. Maybe a little bit later down. Okay. Do you, I'm just like, now you're pop quizzing me, asking me to give you more questions. <laughs> um, so something to ask ourselves is, do we feel safe in our relationships? Something to ask yourself, listener, is do you feel safe in your relationship? Do you feel like you can be yourself, like you can show up, like it's a safe place for you to be? And what that looks like is, are you safe to express yourself fully? Yeah. Yeah. I, um... Oh, I remember there was this old comedy sketch that I was watching and it was it was a parody of what it meant to be a housewife in the 50s and it meant to um, have something in the oven, you know? Like, uh, I remember my grandma used to tell me how her friend was always terrified that her husband would come home and he wouldn't smell food cooking. So, if, if she was a bit behind in the day, she'd put a tray of onions in the oven and just be cooking onions away so the house smelt like she had it together. And... And, oh, and, yeah, that's I know. really sad. I, it, it's horrible. Because that's your own husband yeah. feeling like he went, it wasn't okay for you to not have it together in no, front of him. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I remember this sketch I was watching was all of the, make sure that you've, um, you know, you've done your your exercises so that you look great when he gets home and make sure that you've you've got a freshly ironed dress on, all, all, all this sort of stuff. It was just a joke about how to keep up the appearance in front of your husband that you're killing it at being a housewife. Mm. <laughs> and it was it was really horrible. But that would be like a great, you know. Yeah. Because that's not you. It's not you. No, exactly. And same as like sneaking out of bed in the morning to put on some makeup and brush your teeth and then sneaking back into bed so that it looks like you woke up so fresh. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or all the stories you hear about, you know, men who who go out in the morning with their work clothes on, even though they lost their job mm, weeks earlier, mm. and then they come home at the end of the day, but they've been nowhere because they've been fired or they've been retrenched or laid off or whatever it is, but they felt too ashamed to be open in front of their wife and say, hey, I, I've lost our income. That's right. Uh, you know, and these look, these are very much, I'm not trying to perpetuate these kind of like standard household roles or anything like that by making these observations. I'm just using those as examples of people who don't feel like they can actually be this is what's going on with the yeah. person who's supposed to love them the most. Yeah, exactly. So being able to express yourself fully, like being able to say, I don't have it together, I'm not okay, this is what I think about this and you might disagree with me. Like that is how it is to be safe. Another one is safe to share if you're dissatisfied about something that your partner did. Classic one, leaving the toilet seat up. Can you talk about that? 
is, yeah. It's actually a really trivial thing when you it's, think about it. It's it, just the toilet seat. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But why do women always want the toilet seat down? It's why do so, men always leave no it up? Sense. It's ridiculous. Why do you it's put so it down messy all the time? in there. Like, do, do you need a target to aim? Like, no, but why, why do you need it down? Like, it's like, makes no sense. Have you ever sat down in the middle of the night on the porcelain without the seat? No. It's really, really traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. It well, breaks you right up. So I recommend not doing it. But what I'm saying is really <laughs> trivial stuff. That in the scheme of things, like in some countries, they probably don't even have toilet seats, but we can spend ages arguing over it. So are you able to say, hey, when you did this, it kind of bugged me. Are you able to say that to your partner? And do you feel safe that you can say it without getting your head bitten off as well? Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're not only telling your partner the things that annoy, that annoy you. <laughs> That's, that is um, for another episode yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, so something that you can do if you're in a really negative space in your relationship is get something called negative sentiment override where you just see yourself in a really good light and your partner in a really bad light, yeah. no matter what, no matter who does what. Yeah. And all your memories get ruined by it as well. Um, are you safe to share your sexual desires, displeasure or fantasies? We talked a little bit about that last week, that that's probably one of the big things about vulnerability is initiating who initiates, what I do like, what I don't like, when I say yes, when I say no. All of those things are really important. And it doesn't matter how long you've been married because those same feelings of fear of what they're going to think. Fear um, of rejection. And fear of rejection mm-hmm. of making an advance and then being shut down mm-hmm. is still like it doesn't go away. Like it's still a big deal. Yeah, or even something that they like that you don't like. Yeah. That's really hard to say. Actually, can we talk about this? That's yeah. And so being safe to be able to talk about it. Safe to share your personal insecurities and fears. That's a big one. Yeah. Because we want to be brave to our partner. We don't want to be the weak one in the relationship. Especially <laughs> men trying to maintain some pseudo macho persona of, you know, this is what it means to be a bloke and I look after my wife and I chop the wood and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you're not supposed Mm. to be afraid of anything. Mm. That's right. But it's normal for human beings to have some and and it's good to be able to have them in your marriage where you can talk about it. Yeah. Um, Safe to have a conversation without it escalating into a full-blown argument. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes practice, mm-hmm. I've got to say. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I recommend if you want to look into it, look into John Gottman's Four Horsemen of the Marriage Apocalypse. He talks about it in his seven principles for making marriage work as well. But you can just straight up Google that. But John you can Gottman, just Google John Gottman Four, Four Horsemen and it will come up with what to do, what not to do, and ways to stop doing those behaviours as well. If you put in antidotes, it will help you find ways to stop doing those behaviours as well. That's right. Take Faith FM on the go with the free Faith FM app, available for Apple and Android. Join the Faith FM family and connect with what's happening around the network. Visit faithfm.com.au slash newsletter or text the code word sign up to 0488-80831 and let's connect today. Welcome back to The Marriage Project here on Faith FM. You are here with Bethany and Chapo and we have been talking this afternoon about creating a safe place in your marriage. And by safe place, we mean a safe place where you can show up as your true self without feeling fear or shame to be the real you in front of your spouse. We have talked about a number of things about being truly known by each other and being okay with that, but also about being seen, truly seen as who you are, but also being curious about the other person. Because that's the other part of being seen, is wanting to see who the other person really is. Exactly. Um, So, I've got 
a couple more questions. Okay. Um, the first one to ask is, what am I doing that's stopping my partner from feeling safe in our relationship? Oh, so it's not as a rhetoric. You don't want me to answer that. Well, you can if you no. want. <laughs> but like, I thought it was a question for me. Awkward, yeah. like crickets on there. <laughs> Everyone's like, guys, deal with your stuff before you go in the air. All right. And the next one is, how can I show my partner that I'm interested in what they've got to share with me? Okay. So firstly, what am I doing? That is stopping my partner from feeling safe to share. Yeah, because we might actively be stopping them from feeling safe. So think about, well, what am I doing? How is my body language? What is my communication? What are my verbal skills like? Give me an example. Help me understand that. What would be an example of something that someone could be doing that would make their partner not feel safe to to be their real self? Okay, so probably the four horsemen that I was talking about before the break, um, if you Google John Gottman four horsemen and antidotes, that will help you to figure out what they are. But one of them that I can think of straight at the top of my head is criticism. Right, okay. Criticism stops somebody from feeling like it's safe to say what I need to say here because every time I talk, every time I open my mouth, you just criticise me and I don't say anything that's worth saying anyway, so I'm just going to be quiet. Okay. Just shut somebody straight down. All right. Well, then on the opposite then, because the other question you asked was, what can I be doing to show my partner that you are interested mm. in in them and so that they feel more open to share? What's something you could do? To, I'm confused now. Oh. <laughs> like in, in, relation, in relation to criticism or just in general? No, in, in oh, general. Okay, okay. Like, so what are some things that I could be doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, so talk about me if you want. Yeah. That would be creating a safer space for you to show up as your real self. Okay, so- or unless I'm awesome and I'm doing everything already, <laughs> then use a, an example of something I do. Yeah, so just taking the time out. I think creating time to sit and talk to each other is a big one in our relationship. Like we've got three kids, we both work. Um, life is mental and actually going, this is a time when it's just you and me, we're actually looking at each other, we're actually talking to each other and we're not watching TV. It's, it's a you and me time. It's yeah. really important to actually carve that time out. Time's a huge one. Yeah. And then often by the end of the day, we're so brain dead that we just look at our phones. Yeah, sad times. We've got to get that under control. Yeah. (laughs) So actually asking questions is really good. And I recommend the Gottman card decks if you want to Google that. It's an app you can download. And it's just like a whole bunch of open-ended questions that you can ask your partner like, when you're a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? What's your favourite place to go? What makes you feel happy? What smells do you think are disgusting? Like just all sorts of really random questions, but stuff that you might not have ever thought to ask your partner. Yeah. Yeah. And it just creates that curiosity. And yes. Because you hear, and you're like, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that you yeah. hated the smell of, I don't know. So curiosity is one of the ways that we open up our partner. So asking questions. Listening without interrupting, that's a hard one for me because I always think that what I have to say is so important. (laughs) I I know. Um, Be fully present. So don't think about what you've got to get done or what the next thing is, but actually being fully present and listening and paying attention. Or being on Instagram. Yes, not on your phone. Yes. Oh, here you go. Can you think of a time that you were curious about your partner's values? Can you think of a time when I was curious about your values, about what's important to you? I've been learning a lot about drums lately. You've ordered some oh, drums. I've well, I've bought them. Yeah, they're in the lounge room where they've been for the last two weeks because I <laughs> haven't had time to um, get them out of the lounge room. But yeah, 
If you're listening right now and there's drums in your lounge room and you don't even play drums, my heart goes out to you. Um, we've been, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about your various hobbies that I have no interest in myself, except but, for that I know that you like them. And I love to tell you about it, even though I know that you don't really care. <laughs> like your life could go on so peacefully and blissfully without ever knowing all this useless information I tell you about drums and drummers and bits and pieces and values of stuff and whatever. But I love to tell you, and I love it when you're interested. Mm. Like, so, so I've recently found this company that makes symbols, and I found out that all the people that run this company are Christians, and they particularly make a lot of um, drumming gear that, that works good for churches, and they try to support churches and stuff. But the other thing they do is they use their platform as a company to travel around and promote mental health. So, I've gotten really excited about this new brand. Because it's of two symbols. things that you think are important. Two things I think that are really important, which mm. is faith and worship, and which is positive mental health. And drums. So, actually, how many things is that? All Heaps. my stuff. <laughs> anyway, so, I've been banging on to you about these symbols- for ages, and mm. you don't know nothing about symbols, and you don't care about symbols, but I love it that you're interested because I'm passionate about it. I know crash, I know ride, I know hi hat. Well, that's pretty good. Is that all of them? Oh, that's that's the most important one. Okay, great. Yeah, what's the what's the one on the side, the real noisy one? What do you call that? Thingy. The China. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't worry. So not thingy then. Okay, yes, but that's not the important one. <laughs> all right, you're doing good. Lucky. Yeah. Okay, so. I've got a quote here from John Gottman. Can I share that with you? Please. Okay. It's really cool. It's a little long. It says, now realize that behind each person's gridlocked position, what's a gridlocked position? Do you know? Stuck. Yeah. It's where you're, you're locked up. Yep. So when a couple is fighting and they can't get past this one fight that they keep coming back to over and over and over. Behind each person's gridlock position lies something deep and meaningful, something core to that person's belief system, needs, history, or personality. It might be a strongly held value or perhaps a dream that they have not yet lived. These people can no more yield or compromise on this issue than they can give up the bones of who they are and what they value about themselves. Compromise seems like they're selling themselves out, which is unthinkable. But when a relationship achieves a certain level of safety and one partner clearly communicates that he or she wants to know about the underlying meaning of the other person's position, the other partner can finally open up and talk about his or her feelings, dreams and needs. Persuasion and problem solving are postponed and the goal is for each partner to understand the other's dreams behind the position on the issue. That was really cool. It was long. But it was also long and wordy. Can yes. you give us like a two-second summary of what that, sa- what that meant? So what it's saying is when you are fighting and you are locking horns with your partner over something that you can't get past. Right. It's because there's something within your side of the argument that you can't let go of because it's not just about being convinced of the right or wrong way to see it. It's something that's part of your belief system, your needs, your history, your personality, or your values. It's a dream within you as a person. Okay. And so it's like, I can't, I can't, we might be talking about um, something that seems really trivial, but it's a something that I can't let go of. But you'll never know that because we're arguing over the trivial thing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, um, for example, um, I saw in my training a really great video where a couple just could not stop fighting over their daughter wearing makeup. And the mum was saying she's become a young woman now. She's needing to progress to that next level of her life journey. And I want to support her in that. And I want to see her do it in a way that is 
safe for her, that she's not just going out and getting advice from anywhere else. She's coming to me, her mum, and I'm helping her to grow. And the dad is saying, no, 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 I don't want my daughter looking like that. I don't want my daughter acting like that. I don't want people thinking this, this, and this about my daughter because she's wearing eyeliner. And the problem wasn't the eyeliner. The problem was the two ideas that they each had that were deep values of who they felt that they were as a parent and what they wanted from their beautiful little girl and the fact that they were scared about the fact she was growing up. Yep. But if they kept arguing about eyeliner, they never would have known, hey, I'm scared that my little girl's turning into a teenager now. Hey, when I was a teenager, this was really hard for me and I want to support her in that so she doesn't have to struggle with the same thing. Do you know, yeah, do you know what I, I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Another example might be, so say if you've got a family and one person in the family has an encounter with Jesus, becomes connected to a church, starts worshipping, and then has a conflict with their partner because they don't want their child to be playing sports when mm. church is on because mm-hmm. they all of a sudden – and the, the argument might be over soccer, but really it's about a more deeply held value of, no, I've, I'm loving what I'm learning about the Bible and about God, yep. and I want my child to experience that with me. Exactly. Um, so, but do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's actually is that makes yeah. Sense? So yeah. sometimes we're arguing over the issue, but the issue isn't actually what it is. There's a dream behind it, or there's something that's really valuable to us, and we want our partner to see the thing. We want our partner to see who we are and why it's meaningful to us. Yeah. There's a dream behind it. And Gottman calls it the dreams within the conflict that we have. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And so we're never going to find that in our partner unless we be curious and ask lots of questions and try to get behind it. Like, what's up with that for you? Why is that a problem for you? Where's the history of that? What's the story behind it? Yeah. So it's yeah. being intentional next time you're having an argument with your spouse, not just have an argument over the thing, but try to find the thing that's behind the thing. Which is hard because <laughs> so often when we argue or when we have a conflict, why do we have a conflict? Because we go in there to win. A lot, well, of, the a lot of the time, we've yeah. got an issue and we go in there to make the other person understand our side of the story or our point behind the issue. But what we need to do is figure out ways to communicate so that when we're having a conversation, we're doing it in peace so that we can actually hear and be heard and see and be seen with our partner. Yeah. And mm. it's really important to, when you're in that space, that you don't see yourself as someone who is more enlightened or smarter than the other person. You are both intelligent adult human beings mm. and to make sure that you're respectful about mm. the way you approach that. And it's really important to remember as well is that couples fight. Fighting is normal. Conflict is normal. Yep. And it's normal to have things that you disagree on, that you have conflict over, and it's very normal to have things that you can not resolve or get past. Yeah, very well, normal. When people tell me that they don't fight, it makes me worried mm. because if you're not fighting, I just feel like you're not really opening up and communicating. Well, that's there's another lot, way of not up. being seen as well, isn't right. it? Because you're still hiding yourself from Or your you're partner. not safe to fight, you know. Yeah. Oh, we never fight. We're, yeah, everything. I don't think that means everything's fine. It might mean that somebody gave up a long time ago trying to be seen. Could be. Mm. Anyway, um, on that negative note, <laughs> we need to take a <laughs> short break. So stay with us. We'll be back here soon on Faith FM. Open my lips. I will sing your praise. Open my lips, O Lord, I will sing your praise forever. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. 
Listening to the Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo, we've been talking about creating a safe space in your marriage this week, and we've had lots of fun talking about sin and how it changes us from being open and vulnerable <laughs> and relating to one another to being. That doesn't sound closed. right. We've had lots of fun talking about sin. Well, it kind of sounds like anyway. So I get what you're talking about. I guess you could say that I'm a bit of a theology nerd. I think it's fun to talk about sin. Okay, <laughs> not right. sins. But the concept of sin. We haven't been confessing <laughs> our sins to our listeners here today, if that's what you're worried about. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's not confessional time. Okay. Um, we've been talking about how sin and the world that we live in and the shame that we can experience within ourselves or because of the things that we have done and the betrayal or the the rejection or the kinds of things that we can live through in our relationship together can drive a wedge between us and how to come back together and be connected again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a really good time. And we just spent a bit of time talking about how every time you have a conflict, it's because something matters to you. If it doesn't matter to you, you're not going to fight over it. Do you think that's true every time? Or mm. some people just like conflict? You think some people just like fighting? Oh, yeah. I think maybe sometimes we get like used that. to fighting. I like people that will choose the side of the argument that means that they get to engage in conflict because they just feed off it and enjoy it. With their spouse? Not necessarily with their spouse, but with other like, people. Like, is that like more debatey? Yeah. Or, or is just, that in relationship with your spouse? I'm, I'm not willing to disclose any more okay. information. Right. About no, that. Problem. no problem. No problem. <laughs> it's, not, it's not with the spouse, though. Some people do that. like to debate. That's right. But in your marriage, if you get to a place where you're arguing and arguing and you can't get past an issue, it's because somebody cares about it. Maybe not both of you, likely both of you. Yeah. But, like, you know, that drawer over there. We're probably not going to argue about that drawer over there because we're not invested in it. We don't care about it. It's not. E- we. This isn't even like the room that I normally go in. So it's like, well, I don't know who keeps stuff in that drawer. Um, but if it was my drawer and had my things in it, and you want to put your things in my drawer, then we might have an argument over the drawer because it mattered to me. Does that make sense? No, sort of. I'm lost with the drawer. Ah. It wasn't the greatest analogy, but I still oh, love man. you. But <laughs> how about this one? How about okay. this one? Okay, the other day. Actually, yesterday or the day before, right. I was talking about booking the kids into the hairdresser, and you said we oh. can easily just do oh, it. Because last time I took the kids to the hairdresser, right, I was so it was forty dollars each for the children, mm. and it was literally a straight line, mm. like brushed their hair back, and it was they took about probably four inches off Charlotte's because her hair is very long, and it was just a straight line cut. I could do that. I cut my own hair. I could easily do that. Chapo's into home haircuts. It makes me very nervous. Partly it makes me nervous because it's your head and everybody looks at your head. So if you do something wrong, it's quite noticeable. So occasionally throughout the year, there'll be times where I have a bald head because it means that I've done a bad job at my haircut and I have to start from scratch. But that's all right. And you have an excellent shaped noggin, so you can do that. I can pull it off. But not everyone can. Some people have more lumpy heads than you. And they can't just make a mistake and simply right. start from scratch well, bad, with their hair. Bad luck for them. But, <laughs> but for our kids, yes, um, I know that you really struggle with parting with money. So behind that outburst that you just had about the haircuts, the thing that mattered to you was money. That's right. And but, that it wasn't value for money to spend on that, right? Because the way I grew up, we grew up very poor. Yep. And we grew up being really, um, 
oh, what's the word? Not inventive, not um, resourceful. Resourceful, mm. yeah. So, you know, we mum and I would fix the guttering on the house with aluminium tin cans and a roll of flash tack. And for you know, for an example of this, we were always looking for ways that we could figure out how to do it ourselves. In a, way, in a way that we could afford it. Mm. And you were a very much do-it-yourself family. Oh, yeah. And Chapo comes from a very much do-it-yourself family. Like anything, even if they have no experience there, it's like, I reckon I can do that for cheaper. Yeah. And you just give it a go. Well, I, I learned how to, you know, panel beat and fill, you know, bog up a car and cut out rust from my mum. And I love that about you. You're very yeah. handy and you're very clever. Whereas I come from a family that's more like, why do it yourself when you could pay someone t- to do it for you? And then you save yourself the time and you save yourself the energy and you save yourself the mistakes and you get something done properly. I hear. Yeah. But the thing with haircuts is that it's not even just about that. For me, my dad used to cut my hair when I was a kid and he did it as, I don't know, it was a weird kind of power and control thing and it was a weird discipline thing and he didn't like his children having long hair and he didn't want me and my sister to be vain and to be beautiful and he used to cut our hair every time he had custody of us and return us back to our mum with really bad bowl cuts. And we have all these horrible, horrible school photos from when we were kids. And so for me, a dad cutting the kid's hair is just, I don't want my children to have that experience at all. When for them it might not even be traumatic, but for me it feels traumatic even to think about that as something that happens with our family. Yeah, and And once I understood that, mm, it immediately changed the conversation. It wasn't just us fighting over um, whether we should spend 40 bucks to get a, a, you know, a really basic haircut yeah. at the hairdresser. It was something that was rooted in something that was painful. Exactly. But if we didn't stop to listen to each other, we could have had a really huge conversation that was got really ugly, that got really arguing, that got really gridlocked, that we couldn't get past, where you were arguing from a place of money and I was arguing from a place of, no, you just can't do that, and neither of us would have understood why it was important to the other. That's a great example. Hmm. I'm so glad you thought of that example. That really thanks. Yeah. And so that's that's how it is in our relationships. If we if we have something that we can't get past, often it's because behind it it means more to us. So find out what why why does it mean more to your partner? Why do they care about this one thing that they just keep bringing up over and over again all the time in your relationship? Yeah. Even if you think it's trivial. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I've been learning, because I've been doing a couple of counselling units, is that when somebody comes in for therapy and sits across from a therapist and has a a therapy session, the environment that you create isn't in the decorations in the room or where you put the chair or what the lighting is like. The environment that you create in a counselling session is in you as the therapist. You create a safe environment for your... Um, client to feel heard and safe and vulnerable and to share. And if you aren't any good at that, then people aren't going to pay money and they're not going to come back. Like that's sort of the reality of whether you're a good counsellor or not. Yeah, right. But it goes the same way in your marriage as well, is that your marriage isn't the ring on your finger, isn't the wedding album that you have with all the beautiful things that you did on your wedding day. It's not even your children. It is the environment that you create between the two of you and whether or not it is safe for you to share and love and be loved, to be seen and to see the other person. That's very cool. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It almost is like, so you've been doing some counselling units. I have. At at, at uni, you know, to add to your ministry's portfolio. Yeah. Um, But maybe we need to somehow create a degree 
in being a, a spouse. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't yeah, it? Like, but seriously, be, yeah. like there'd be so many useful tools that you could learn that would just make your marriage so smooth. And I guess that's kind of what we're passionate about sharing yeah. here. And that's, you know, I we don't guess- ever claim to be experts. It's just something that we really value. Which is why we want to bring any tools that we come across mm. to this place. I love that you brought up, like, how come you can't get a degree in being a spouse? Like, we spend so many years in the education system learning all these different ways to be literate and to be, have numeracy and to do all of these things. But, you know, and you and I have talked about it before, Trevor, like, you don't learn things about how to do your tax return and how to being a grown-up and manage your budget and how to mow the lawns at home and all those things are reliant on your family and how to be a good parent and how to be a good spouse are often reliant on the family that you grew up in and what the cards that you were dealt in life, which sometimes might be rubbish. Well, for me, like, yeah, I learned some great stuff off my mum and some stuff that traditionally a father would teach their children. Um, Everything, But I never learned how to change brake pads. Thankfully, Mm. there is YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> uh, for stuff like that, there, there's lots of different things I've had to figure out how to how to uh, w- uh, wire up things that I probably shouldn't have wired up at the house, but from the internet. Mm. And the other, that's the great thing though. At the same place where you can learn how to change brake pads, you can also learn some great relationship tools as well, and you can learn some great things about being vulnerable. You can learn some great things. We do have that tool, mm. and instead of you know just watching videos of cats or um, <laughs> you know epic fails. Maybe watch stuff and, in, you know, include stuff in your life that's going to make you a better spouse. Mm, absolutely. And, yeah, I love that idea. And I think that Scripture teaches us that as well. And it's not necessarily in the framework of how to be a, a spouse, but when you become a believer, things become important to you that weren't important to you before. And when the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, fruit comes out of that that looks like patience, peace, love, kindness, gentleness, and those are things that make relationships work. That's right. And look, we've we've talked about that before as well. Mm. It's not just the stuff you know. You know, the, to be the best spouse you can be, I truly believe, is to have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, that's the – that's there's all these things that I can do, and it's great to have awareness, and all these tools in your tool belt are going to help, help you connect at a deeper level. But the biggest thing for me to do is, is that hopefully – through me, you experience the love of God. Mm. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're just tuned into Faith FM and it's something that's new for you, a new idea for you, or that you're curious about, I recommend reaching out to Faith FM and saying, hey, I'm curious about learning more about God and more about Jesus. Can you tell me about it and send me some information? And they would love to do that. Um, it's really something that's just so special and will just make your relationships better and your life better when you have Jesus living in your heart. That's right. You can go to faithfm.com.au and go from there. You can press the connect button and you'll be able to get in touch. Very cool. Thanks for saying that. So after before that tangent, we were talking about how you are home for your spouse. That's right. The rest of the world is out there and it's big and it's busy and it's important, but you are home base. You are the safe environment that your partner needs to feel like they're, the world is an okay place to live in. That's right. And this is, is your marriage your most important relationship? Sometimes we don't act like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. outside of our relationship with God, our marriage comes next. Before our relationship with our kids, before our relationship with our boss, before our relationship with our colleagues, before our best friend I, look, comes I, our marriage. I, I often include it in a, in a wedding ceremony when I'm doing it, that whatever was important in your life before is now second. 
except for your relationship with God. But everything else that was important before is now number two to your spouse mm. because that's what it means to particularly, you know, under God as believers that, that I, you are my number one, mm. second only to him. Mm. Yeah. And some of us will say, of course, of course it is. But actually how? Do you show your partner that, yes, you are the most important person in my life? for some people, life. that might be confronting. Because, like, yeah. oh, look, I want to be married. I want to get married and, and all that. But I don't know if I want to see someone else that way or yeah. treat them that way. Yeah. And that's part of what being in a covenant with someone else means. Mm. That I will love you and care for you and you will be my number one. Absolutely. And I think on a daily basis when it comes to our relationship is that we are moving. That we're not just stagnant, that we're not just like you get married and you tick that box and you're done, but we actually are dynamic and we're either moving forward or moving backwards. So is your relationship moving towards intimacy or away from intimacy? What are you doing with your relationship on that level? Yeah. Yeah. We need to take another break. Stick with us this afternoon here on Faith FM. Are you interested in improving your parenting skills? What about learning how to pray? Maybe you're interested in living well and radically improving your health. Station partner Hope Channel Australia has a variety of free online courses to help you grow physically, mentally and spiritually. Visit hopechannel.com forward slash au to find out more. Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. We've been talking about creating a safe space in your marriage. And we thank you so much for tuning in with us here today. We've had a lot of fun talking about it. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too. Oh, good. And we've only got a little bit of time left. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. To the nuts and bolts. So How do we do this? I want you to think about things like how do you disconnect or disengage from your partner? Are you staying engaged or do you just come home and switch off? Do you actually come home and make time? And I think time is a big one to connect with each other. Because it's hard. Mm. You've had a big day at work, particularly if you're in some kind of leadership role and you're constantly making decisions, I get decision fatigue really bad and I don't want to be asked questions. I've already spent a whole day of answering questions and making big decisions, Mm -hmm. but you are more important than my job. Mm -hmm. So, how can I structure my day? How can I have a bit of time out in between leaving the office and coming home? What do I need to do so that I can show up for you? Mm, I love that. What do I need to do to be able to walk in the door? so that I'm ready to be with my family. That's really cool. Good relationships are really good for your emotional health, your physical health, and even help you live a longer life. And that's been statistically proven. So it's worth investing in as much. Actually, I'm going to just go with more than your work, more than any other thing in your life. This is the thing that's going to make a difference. So if you have positive relationships, you can mm. live longer. Yeah. How and if cool you is have that? a positive relationship with Jesus, you can live forever. I uh, like oh, that's that that good. That's that beautiful. And our relationships that we have with our spouse or any other significant person in our life, they're built by small acts over time, not just one grand gesture. So what are you doing right now, today, yesterday, in a recent time? that actually builds your relationship, that shows them that you love them, that they're important to you. What have you done in the past that you could do again? What have they told you that they liked? What have they done for you? And you think, that was really great. I should tell them that that was a great thing that I liked. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Because human beings can't read minds. They might not even know that you liked it. Yeah, I know. Wish they could. I know. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Telepathical powers. Yes. Um, Create opportunities to be alone together. That's really hard to do in the busyness of life. And we have to improve at this. We even done a whole um, 
episode one afternoon on the importance of having date nights. Yeah. And that's something that this year we have not prioritised. No. We've had like one or two. Yeah. Which is not what we have recommended and we need to get this under control. So we need to um, do a little bit of our taking our own advice there, yeah, don't we? That's yes. right. We need but to creating opportunities budget, to be alone together. To our budgets and babysitting. It's so important. Yeah. Um, listen to your partner if they want to talk about something troubling and help them find a way through the problem. Even if you think, I don't know why they think this is a big deal. Yeah. Sit, listen, use your ears more than your mouth and actually pay attention without looking to oh, your phone. Look, if you've got kids, you know, like you, you hear a lot of, a lot of emotion about stuff that you'd be like, why do you even care about this? Like, <laughs> who cares? Like, this is not a problem. But for them, it is. Yes. For them, it's deeply troubling. Yes. And so, we're not the judge of whether something should upset you or not. Mm. We're just the one that they can come to regardless of what's upsetting them. I love that. So, yeah, regardless of what's upsetting them, be the safe person that they can learn it all out in front of. Um, if you've had an argument, think about, well, what's behind this argument? What's behind the anger? How can I go deeper? How can I find out more about my partner's side of it yeah. without being convinced of it, but just going, why is it important to you? Yeah. Why, yeah. Why is there a reason? Mm. Why are you so passionate about this? Can you help me understand? Yeah. And afterwards, like if you've had a big blow up, afterwards when you calm, talk to each other and say, hey, what happened there? What happened the other night when we really blew up? Yeah. Why and, did we do that? But instead of being like, I don't get it. Why is this such a big deal for you? It's not the same as saying, hey, can you help me understand? Yes. Can you help me understand why you're so strong in this position? Because mm. it's a totally different place. Yes. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Come from an approach of curiosity rather than of accusation. Oh, that's a better way of saying it. Yes. Um, here's another one as well. Without being asked, step in and help your partner when they look frazzled. Tune in and help them if they're struggling to keep up with the things that they juggle in life. Yeah. Notice them. Which is like when I came and gave you a shoulder rub last night when you were studying late into the evening doing your units. That is the thing. Don't let the troubles of this world and the things that fill up your life come between you and your spouse. Be in that state of being seen and being curious and being vulnerable. Be naked and unashamed. Do not be naked and afraid. Do not be covering up between one another. Yeah. And that's my wish for you and your marriage. We have loved having this conversation with you this afternoon, everyone who is listening. We hope you have a fantastic week and a great weekend. And we'll be back with you next week. Bye.